Welcome to Heavy Hops. My name is Alexi. And my name's Sam. Mutant Aver is a Chicago-based visual artist. You've seen his work on posters and merch for Pelican, Uniform, Chelsea Wolf, Emma Ruth Rundle, Russian Circles, and most recently Resin, to name a few. In this episode of Heavy Hops, we learn about how he found art and merch design through the world of webzines, the creative process, his religious search as a preteen, and how his art channels religious drama. The nature of his work is political and not soft-spoken, and his message is important as the election of our lifetime is right around the corner. We've provided links to the works we discuss in the episode notes, along with a playlist he's compiled. Let's dive and get heavy. And then one of my favorite shows actually was you guys and uh, Salvation at uh, Empty Bottle, I believe it was. Was that with luggage too? Yeah, yeah it was. Luggage headlined. Yeah, yeah. That, was a, that was a nice oh, That evening. sounds like a great show. Dude, it was such a good show. That was fun. We, I think we played... We played Bottle twice, um, Oozing Wound headlined once, and then Luggage headlined the other time. It was real weird going from like Salvation to us, to then Luggage is like, all right, so here's a lot of restraint and a lot of methodical building, and the previous two bands were just like spazzed just out. Just spazzed yeah. out. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. Slight shift in gears. Uh-huh. It was fun. Yeah. No, you guys were all... Are you guys no longer... I left the band in... October? Okay. Say October. Yeah. It's just five years. That was good. Yeah. I like, I'm too old to like get home at three o'clock in the morning after playing a show, after loading shit up and downstairs twice and mm-hmm. being in the same car with the same people that I've been in a car with for, you know, so many years. Like, <laughs> it was just, yeah. It was, it was time. Yeah. And then the fucking pandemic happened anyway. So I was like, all right. Well, it was almost opportune timing. Yeah. yeah. I wish I had known. <laughs> so how did you wind up in Chicago? Have you always been here? Um, or did you move here from somewhere else? Man, um, I'm originally from Southern California. Um, I started doing zine stuff, like online zine stuff uh, in high school. And I ran uh, a site for a while. It was just an excuse to learn how to code and uh, learn how to design, like teach myself how to design. Um, and so that was back in the golden days of the internet when like message boards were still a, a big thing. And so there were a few message boards that uh, I was on regularly where I talked to people um, who were also doing like just kind of improvising zine stuff of their own, made some buddies out here. And over the course of I don't know how many years Jesus Lizard played Pitchfork and I was like, well, I don't know if they're going to play again because they hadn't announced a tour or anything. So I was like, I'm going to come out to Chicago and meet a bunch of the people that I've been talking to online forever. And I came here and just the change of scenery from like Orange County, California is terrible. It's just terrible. It's There's very little good about it. There's the beach and that's that's it. And uh, coming to Chicago where, like, everything's old, um, you had, like, just history everywhere all around you. Uh, even, like, like coming here and, like, learning about, like, Miggs Field, like, daily just plowing up 
an airstrip because he couldn't get permission to do it was fascinating. Like all of that stuff was really, really uh, kind of enchanting. So I was like, I'm going to find a way to get out here as soon as I, as soon as possible. Cause I'm just burned out on California. So then I, yeah, like two years later came out like in 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've gone back to visit California twice. And every time I've been back there, I'm like, yeah, I made the right choice. I'm fine. <laughs> Well, even where you're standing, sitting right now, not far from here, the Haymarket riots took place yeah. a little over a hundred years ago. So yeah, dude, it's it's fucking everywhere. And like, you watch like just the street work uh, in the neighborhood when they've like dug up Western Ave, and you see like like just the strata of like mm -hmm. right. So like in 1880, this is the thing, and 1900, this is the thing, and that's why it smells bad every time you walk by it, and. That's why the asphalt falls apart every year. And yeah, it's, it's cool. I, I think I'm like maybe approaching the end of my tenure here because it's been a decade and like not drinking anymore is takes like half of the city away and then be, becoming vegetarian. So I'm the most exciting person in the world, <laughs> uh, sober vegetarian, uh, like, so no meat, no booze. And it's like, that's, you know, three quarters of. Chicago culture is <laughs> like Michelin star restaurants and breweries. So like go to Oregon or something and live in the woods and have a farm, make art there. True. With what's left of it. <laughs> I, but, yeah, yeah. There'll be clear land. That's yeah, for there sure. will be clear land. That's I'm, for sure. I'm crossing my fingers that there will still be a place to move <laughs> like in a year or two. But. I imagine there should be. Hopefully. So go ahead. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like art was uh, was important and influential for you pretty early on before music, for example. Um, yeah. Did you always want to uh, to end up as an artist or was it something you wanted to do in conjunction with music? Where did you kind of uh, how did you kind of navigate all of that? Because uh, I had a lot of people um, end up, you know, doing both those things and then they end up in, a, in one way or another. Mm -hmm. Um, man. I remember, uh, when my family got the internet the first time, Oh, get a little closer. I remember when the fam, my family got the internet and I remember, um, kind of like the nascent era of like, you had like all the old print designers, like, uh, David Carson, all these people that have been doing experimental weird stuff to begin with, but like in the physical world, like starting to translate their stuff into the, uh, the internet. And it was really fascinating because it was like the times of like design graphic and Michael Cena doing stuff and surf station and all these like rad sites. And I kept seeing the stuff. I didn't know. I didn't know enough to know that I was like watching kind of a new scene develop i guess and i was young i was too young to like participate in it but i was definitely young enough to be like enthusiastic about trying to imitate them so for you know like 13 14 or whatever those ages i was trying really hard to like emulate these people that i really loved because i was already trying to rip off carson for a long time and doing a bad job at it <laughs> and um so it was just one of those things where like i i think Figuring out, like, okay, I can tell that the internet's something neat, and um, there's, like, things that I'm enjoying about it. Like, I, 
started to learn how to code really early on because I just wanted to like have my own site, but have it look better than the junky stuff that you saw in GeoCities or Zoom or AngelFire or whatever. And I just kind of like, I don't know, I just kind of did it. There wasn't any intent behind it. Um, and then the zine thing like stemmed from that because it was just, I keep finding albums that I like and I have so many friends that find albums that they like and it would be cool if we had a place to put it all together and we would put it all together and write articles about it and be smart asses. We could like kind of uh, dip our toe in being, um, what'd you call it? Just smart asses for lack of a better way of putting it. And it just kept like art kept feeding back into that and kept feeding back into it. And it wasn't just putting up an article anymore. It was like, how do I design this so it matches the content of the interview? And then I went to college and I got a degree, got a degree in English and <laughs> I don't, I don't know where the degree is. I couldn't even tell you where that thing is anymore. But the whole time I was in college, it was like, oh shit, you got a band and you want a t-shirt. Yeah, I'll do something. And then just, it was never intent. It was just, I kept wanting to do that. And I kept like realizing that the last year had been spent doing that. And eventually, um, like when I came here, I was, I, I kind of did stuff. I was kind of messing around, but I really didn't get the motivation and focus until I quit drinking. Um, cause that was for, one of the biggest motivators for stopping was just that, um, even having like a beer was like, all right, well now I don't want to do anything. I just kind of want to sit around and watch TV or like play a video game or something. And then think about the stuff that I wish I had designed or whatever. And yeah, I think I just got old enough where I was like, all right, I have discipline and focus, which I was too immature and young and I had to do too much dumb shit to, you know, occupy myself with. And then it kind of happened. And now it's like, I don't even know if it's wanting to be, ugh, to be an artist. I just like making stuff. It's <laughs> the same impulse. It's just a lot more accumulated, you know, technical knowledge and, and, um, I've eliminated a lot of stuff that like, I just know that I'll never be good at. And, uh, it's not that I don't want to do something cause I'm not going to be good at it, but because it takes so long to be actually good at something, I'd rather devote all my focus onto those things and spend time like really immersing myself in that. So I just, I just like once the gravitational pull happened, I just kind of kept coming back to it. I wasn't even like aiming for it. It was just circling it. Um, and, uh, how did the relationships form with the bands that you were doing these, uh, the artwork for, like, um, I recognize from having a zine myself at like a young, it sounds like we both had zines at around the same age. And so within that, those relationships can kind of naturally funnel in yeah. to create those opportunities. Was that where some of that came from? Um, Actually, I mean, honestly, all of the stuff that I've done under the Mute Neighbor name has very much come from um, being plugged in by uh, Josh Davis, uh, Dead Meat Design. Um, he's a buddy. And when I started designing stuff, I, I literally just asked. Like, a lot of my technical knowledge and a lot of my access, I don't know, access has just come from asking. Um which has been really instructive for me. Like when people ask me stuff, it's like, oh, it's, here's the answer. You don't need to gatekeep 
be like, oh, you have to pay your dues and you're not cool enough and you haven't done this long enough. Like, here's the answer. And if you can make something happen, that's rad. And so Josh told me, like, here's the person you email if you want to do the poster for that show that's happening at uh, Sub T. And so you shoot off the email, say like, hey, I'm completely unproven. You have no idea who I am, but I've got a couple of design things that I can show you. Can I do a poster for it? And they either say yes or no. And then you do it. And then after that, it's just dominoes. It's I think every single design job that I've had has fed into the next one and like, you know, kind of spidered out from there. Um, the first like proper gig poster I did was Relayer, Photo Crime, and is it JJL? Yeah. And like that was the first one I did. And then like just talking to Evan Patterson a bunch after that and doing more JJL stuff and Emma Ruth Rundle stuff. And then she played with Mono and then did a poster for Mono and Emma Ruth Rundle. And um, I did a. <laughs> I did a po- the the poster for uh, author and Punisher and uniform in the body uh, did terribly. It did not sell <laughs> at all. And like I, li- it was one of those times where I was like, I, I did a poster that I liked, and then I, I, at the end of the night, I was like, okay, well, I I have no judge apparently <laughs> of like of what people do and do not like. But then after that, I was like, I talked to Tristan and did the author and Punisher stuff and talked to. Um, uniform out of nowhere and like got to do a shirt for them and I all it just every single time somebody says like yeah can you do a thing it's like yeah I can and I'm really excited but now I'm like just shitting my pants because I have to actually like deliver on the thing you're asking for and it's terrifying but it's you know it's exciting enough that I kind of keep hoping for that next domino to fall over from the job that I just did what's uh what's what do you say terrifying what do you mean by that in relation to the process is it because you're working with uh is it because of how you're perceiving the musicians involved is it a respect thing is it a personal thing yeah 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 it's it's i i don't want i don't want the 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 people that like hit me up for something that you know it's easy to look at like somebody that's got a bunch of work up, like I, I still do it on Instagram accounts I follow. And then I have to remind myself that like, oh yeah, they have like a litter box that they had to clean out and they had to get groceries. They got sick for two weeks and they still put stuff out. It, it's like everybody that asks for something is looking at all the completed stuff. And it's not the, the, the process or just the being a dumb human life stuff that's in between it. So it's like there, there's an assumption that like, oh, the shirt is going to be done. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there going, oh, shit. Okay, so you guys are like so-and-so and you have such-and-such an audience. You're on whatever label. You have whatever reputation. Fuck. Okay, what's your audience like? What's all your previous merch like? What are you asking for? Where is my headspace right now? please let that line up with what you're asking for. Like there are many times where it's been like a specific request and in my head, I'm like, man, I've really wanted to do this thing though. And like, sometimes that works out. Uniform was rad because Uniform asked for a, like the sweetest dude in the world. Michael Burton is like the nicest guy in the world. Um, but he asked for something with Scabby the Rat cause he wanted to do something relating to unions and, you know, crossing picket lines and all that stuff. And I was like, I get it. Political world around us all that stuff. It's great. Let's do it. 
so I did the the scabby thing, and then I was like, here's a couple other designs that these are just itches I wanted to scratch, and one of them was uh, like a cop seemingly like stomping somebody out of view and swinging the baton. It was just something that I wanted to do that I needed to do to feel like, okay, I know that this is right because like just design fundamentals, this is done properly. But here's the thing that you asked for as well. And then he ended up liking the thing that I liked, which I can give to him and feel like, okay, cool. I know this is a decent shirt, but like I got to do a poster for Chelsea Wolf, and I still am not happy with that poster <laughs> at all. And it was just constantly like, I need to get my head in the right headspace and I need to get it lined up with this American darkness tour and I need to do like, and I've known them for 10 years. So there's all this internal pressure of like not letting people I know down and people that I've been fans of for a long ass time. And then, yeah, you know, the poster gets done and look at it and you're like, well, okay. It didn't work out the way I wanted it to. So like that, you know, invariably weighs so much heavier than, the designs that did hit whatever mark that the client was asking for or that you set for yourself internally in your head. Like I know that the uniform shirt works well and I know like the shirt that resin asked for, which again, like the sweetest dudes in the world and you don't want to let them down. I know that that one worked out because like we spent enough time going back and forth on it, but those like pale in comparison to like, when you missed up. So it's like, that's where the internal pressure comes from. Every time an ask happens, your brain, instead of going, okay, our average is not bad. It's not great. It's not bad. But then it's just going to go veer off to the side and look at like just things that you're like 100% would redo if you could and you can't. And then you're like, okay, just don't do that again. And like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a unique thing I don't think for creative people I think most creative people have a pretty decent amount of self-loathing uh, driving them but yeah it's, it's it gets a little rough every uh -huh. now it's like Jesus Christ okay <laughs> yes I can do the shirt please let me be able to do the shirt then, <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. so how did you um, transitioning a little bit from the band shirts it seems a lot of your work, um, scrolling through your site, um, at least in the beginning was focused towards a specific stance on religion. Oh and, yeah. And, um, yeah. just how did you kind of wind up there and, um, what's your kind of mental process when you're working on pieces like that? I mean, it, yeah, it's, I think it was a lot more on religion early on because it was a lot more doing stuff for me. Um, uh, if somebody asks for something and they either have a religious bent or like a, an anti-religious bent as it may be, then I'll absolutely fit that in if I can. But just doing stuff for me, like I grew up, um, I grew up in an evangelical environment, um, which is great because being in your late thirties and seeing evangelicals just actively embrace the antichrist for all intents and purposes. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, wow, these are all the things that like I heard about in church and you guys are just screaming in, in defense of this, this <laughs> piece of shit asshole. Um, so yeah, like growing up evangelical was, was really tough because, um, I, 
it never it never clicked. Uh, being like eight, nine, or whatever, I you know Sunday school or whatever the terrible Wednesday night worship service stuff, like all of that was. It felt very rote, and it felt very. Um, it felt like I wasn't getting something, and so it started stressing me out when I was like 10, 11, 12, because it was like every single time I've ever prayed, uh, talking to an empty room, and every single t- time I've ever sung a worship song, it's A, the music, bleh, but B, like lyrically, it's just, I'm, I, these, what are these, these words mean nothing. It's just absolute emptiness. And so I would be intensely wrapped up with something is off and if so many people are getting this but i'm not then it's me it's not it and so it must and so then like you know i I very much spiraled out as like an 11 12 year old going okay well evangelicalism isn't clicking with me but all these people are like fervently praying this bullshit and singing these songs um so maybe there's an answer so then like going through every fucking theological avenue I could. Um, You know, obviously going through like, going through Calvinism, being like, well, this is, a lot of this is antithetical to the evangelical beliefs because there's an actual dogma there in the evangelicalism is just dispensationalist, cherry-picking bullshit. But at least the Calvinism has an answer for why none of this is connecting, which is God did not pick me. He mm-hmm. picked everybody else, but he didn't pick me. And so it was it was enough like there in my head where I was like, okay, like maybe I'm gonna be like I it was my natural transition into like being a hostile teenager against religion, which I was still in an evangelical environment in high school, which was it was a thing. Um, so like all of that stuff carries in to art now, I think, A, because like just trying to process religious trauma is its own, I think, just ever ongoing thing. But there's also like part of me too that feels cheated because I really, uh, I really wish we did live in a world where there was like some semblance of like magic or the supernatural. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, growing up on on the West coast, like I would look at the ocean and I would just imagine monstrous creatures coming up out of the water. Just that moment of like a thousand foot tall behemoth just coming up out of it. And just like the awe inspiring feeling that that would be, or like when I started reading Lovecraft well before I knew what Lovecraft was actually like, like the idea of like these frozen entities out in the darkest reaches of space or like, uh, the, you know, water like Cthulhu stuff like just the possibility of like some sort of miraculous supernatural bigger than us rewrite the paradigm that we all operate on type event was so fascinating but because of like my experience with evangelicalism and just the reconciling like okay well it doesn't work for me why doesn't work for me um it it really has a way of shrinking the world down mm. and it's, which is, isn't to say that like, I don't think that like the world is constantly staggering and, um, fascinating, but just the idea of like, 
like 150 years ago, 200 years ago, you'd be going across the country and hearing like about like legendary creatures that did or did not exist. And you couldn't just write that off. You'd be like, I, nobody's been over here before. Mm -hmm. Like none of us. And we're hearing these other cultures talk about this stuff. It is may actually be true. And like that possibility alone is just like fascinating. So all of the design stuff that's got religion in it, like tries because it's always scale. Everything is always like large scale. Like there's something huge dwarfing something tiny. Mm -hmm. Um, like the, the golden calf in front of like all the people, which is like just very much just blaspheme, blaspheming that story in the Bible. So it's the people are actually just worshiping the tangible thing instead of waiting for, you know, the 10 commandments to come down the mountain or like the grim reaper standing over the giant town and mm -hmm. like all that stuff. Like that's very much like manifesting all that religious frustration and like, wish for existential things to dread that just aren't there, I think. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's like a weird meeting of those two elements. I think it's interesting because as a society, from our beginning, we've always looked for some kind of explanation, right? And, um, I mean, some of the earliest documented people doing this were the Greeks, right? Mm -hmm. And those stories spread throughout the Mediterranean and then therefore the rest of the world afterward. But even in those stories, there were fantastical beasts and fantastical mm -hmm. fights. And it, even though it didn't play into this idea of one theological entity creating everything, it's still fed into this idea of there's a fabric beyond of what we can comprehend yeah. that put us all here. There are forces that control everything around us. Yeah. And like, does some of that play into where you lie um, with your stance on religion and wishing there was more in the ocean, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so. Especially like with the, with the Greek thing, I, one of the, I, one of the things with evangelicalism that you would hear a lot is like, Oh, there's polytheistic cultures and animism and all these other different approaches to, interpreting everything that you see around you so it's it's the river flooded so we didn't sacrifice x or y to whatever god and now we have like a ruined farmland and all that stuff the greeks and their entire pantheon everything is always so small in its imagination because it's all just a human being blown up to like you know uh, galactic size it's it's anybody that's on the pantheon the entire the entirety of, of, of Greek uh, myth is just, it's human impulse after human impulse after base human impulse. It's just, like Zeus is horrific. He's ter just terrorizing presence. And it's just like, this is a person. This is just a person. And like the evangelical God is just a person who gets jealous and pissy and, but you know, also wants you to love him and all those other <laughs> Just like so much, it, it was always so frustrating that it was just like, like all you've done is copied and pasted the Greeks method, even like previous to that, like all we've done is taken polytheism down to monotheism. We haven't changed anything. It's still just a person that we've like given the role of in charge of everything. 
So like the the fabric behind everything, like that is still so fascinating, but it's so hard for me to translate into anything creative. Like any any weird I and like I'm not gonna be the 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 fucking dumb guy that's like, oh I read one book on physics and now I know a thing about physics. But like just anything relating to like any sort of multiverse um, uh, like string theory with its weird 11 dimension cap and like all that stuff is fucking fascinating and the, the idea of like the big bang happening like time is a matter of property so before there was matter there wasn't time and then there was matter now there is time like yeah it came out of nothing it, physics says it can happen mm-hmm. like that that stuff the ever expanding universe is fucking fascinating. 85% dark matter is fascinating. All, all of these, just the entirety of existence, the way that life feels like it's constantly, it's coming from some other reservoir and it's just poking itself through whatever gaps it can find. And like it turned into a tree here and it's a person here. And like life continually finds a way to ins- insist itself upon the earth is, is fascinating way more than anything any religion has ever had to present because it's just like you just made a person that's all that's all you did and that's like a lot of horror movies too is like you look at all of them and it's like okay yeah the predator is is scary but it's still a five-fingered dude Mm -hmm. like in a suit pumpkin head is scary it's still a five-fingered dude in the suit alien is scary it's still a five-fingered dude in the suit like every single fucking thing is so beholden to the narrative like the evolution narrative that it's it's not that compelling, but like the the actual fabric that upholds everything is is very interesting. It's just I have no way to like ever. I don't have that good an imagination. I mm-hmm. just I take what I've grown up with and has frustrated me or frustrates me, and my brain spits up. I, I feel like this is so incoherent right now. No, I have no idea. Not at all. I like I like blacked out for five minutes. So. <laughs> no, it was good. Um, I like. To think of it, too, as like um, people want to find an excuse for what they can't explain and or like the relief of not having to look anymore. Exactly. Jesus, I don't have to carry that around anymore. It's one less thing to dread. Exactly. But then also uh, that escape was these fantastical stories that were seeming to I I don't want to sound rude, but they were just fantastical. Like they weren't necessarily believable, but now when you take society and unspeakable things happen, let's just use the latest example that really comes to my mind is nine 11. Yeah. And so to explain that hundreds of conspiracy theories pop up and how different are those from a Greek person who maybe made up Zeus to try and explain the fabric of the universe. Yeah, I, I think I think the need to like it's uh, humans do nothing if not quantify patterns and then try to either anthropomorphize them or just like my day job day job takes human behavior builds personas out of them and then you try to like anticipate a user's interaction with like an application so you can make the app more efficient make the person less frustrated, 
you know, with what they're trying to do. So yeah, putting a name or a face or um, a narrative on something to like, you can point to it then. It's not this amorphous existential dread. It's just this thing that like can be quantified in a very manageable way. Yeah, it's, I think, probably one of the most basic human impulses. Like you're doing a cave painting and you're, you're, you know, 120,000 years ago, you're going to do the things that you know the most. So it's the animals that you hunt and eat. It's the animals that you fear and hunt and eat you. And then it's reproduction. And it's like, we need to quantify those things in ways that like I can point to somebody else and then point to that and say like, oh, we both speak the same language. So, Mm -hmm. you know, like a conspiracy theory, you got your conspiracy theory. If it resonates with you, that's cool. If it doesn't, there's still 15 others that you can try out. If you like Zeus, then that's tight. If not, there's 15 other temples that you can like go worship at and do your do your thing. And if you're a Christian and uh, dogma's a little too rigid for you, and you kind of just want to cherry pick whatever feels right, then you know you can be an evangelical have no internal logic driving you, but still have a thing that you point to that other people can go, yeah, you know, I, I, I want this excuse to hate gay people and like, oh yeah, just, yeah. Quantifying stuff and labeling it is very important. Mm -hmm. Sick. So yeah, it's something we've done and we know, and it's comfortable to us. Um, and then, so Alexi and I own a very specific piece of yours that is um, religious based uh, called Hostage Animal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, for those who um, do not know Mute Neighbors stuff, you can find it at, is it MuteNeighbor.com? Yeah. Um, and we'll post, uh, we'll post this in the episode notes so that as we talk about pieces, people can find them. Oh, yeah. That's cool. I just threw it all. I... Like at one point had, I had had multiple pages and like had stuff broken out and I was like, I don't care that much. (laughs) Well, here we, here we have it. And again, we'll make sure it's in the episode. Yeah. So this piece for me, uh, it was, I found it right around the time I was really digging into black metal. And so this church is very, um, (laughs) it's very Scandinavian, (laughs) this church. It's a staff church. Yeah. Um, and so, this church is also on fire for those who can't see. I set a lot of stuff on fire <laughs> in my designs. Um, but uh, there was something both intertwined with black metal culture, obviously with this piece, but also the, the symbolism of fire in and of itself. And then putting that into a church, I found it fucking beautiful. Thanks. man. Um, can you kind of explain where this one came from? Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I read, like, I'm assuming you read Lords of Chaos, like everybody that's, you know, Mm -hmm. even if you just dipped a toe in black metal. Um, so like I had read Lords of Chaos, then that movie happened. Um, I don't actually like black metal that much. (laughs) I, uh, I, it's just like the production's always kind of like just makes me grind my teeth because no low end and uh-huh. I, I don't care about blast beats that much. Um, it's just, it's, it's like one of those things where like when I do listen to it and I do find stuff that I like, it's like, that's cool. If 
but I'll never talk about it with anybody that is a fan of black metal because that's like literally the depth of my knowledge. Mm-hmm. And either, yeah, I just, I, I'm a tourist. I'm a black metal tourist. Um, but like, I, uh, I mean, the, 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 the symbolism is, is cool. The fucking NSBM stuff is not the bizarre marriage of white supremacy and <laughs> yeah. and just wanting to make evil music is like I just want spooky like it's the meme it's it's I just want spooky riffs like mm-hmm. I want like satanic sounding stuff and spooky riffs and then like you bring Odin into it and fucking purity of bloodlines and all that stuff and it's like wow dude you just <laughs> you really lost me there right. but yeah for me I there's a couple reasons why like the the old old state churches are just beautiful like it's beautiful striking architecture there aren't i mean there's there's like some mid-century churches in the u.s that are gorgeous but the u.s also has its own history of when churches are set on fire it's again hugely racist thing so i was like i Mm -hmm. don't like i don't want to be anywhere in the vicinity of that and so i wanted to make my own riff for lack of a better pun on the black metal setting a church on fire blasphemy symbol but i didn't want to have it like associated with any band um because so many of those bands carry agendas that i just have zero interest in Mm -hmm. so i don't know i just like ultimately i just wanted to set a church on fire and i wanted like um there's there's a book called The Ritual, which oh. is like, I don't know if it's a good book. It's really compelling to read. It's like four friends, five friends, no, four friends get lost in the woods. Mm-hmm. And then this thing starts leaving uh, decimated animal carcasses hung up in trees very deliberately in their path. And then they find these old like um, homes that uh, um, old ancient Norwegian people like had built because they mm-hmm. were caretakers for this like forest god thing and like it's all real it's it's super cool it's weird spooky world building and then it's like really weird interesting look at like uh really weird interesting look. it's it's an interesting look at like uh masculinity dynamic between like the four guys and like the way that they all relate to each other and just the the way vulnerability is forced out by virtue of the situation instead of just dudes being vulnerable and then shortcutting so much of the story because they're communicating instead of fighting that's a side but it (laughs) takes a huge left turn like halfway through because they end up in this like this little like village thing where these three black metal kids have come to summon this god that they've heard about like was in the forest and they believe that that's going to be like their ultimate fulfillment of their roles as like black metal artists as we've raised one of the old gods that like used to run the forest and uh, will be blessed by him. And it's, it's 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 as dumb as it sounds, but it's really fun when you're reading it. Um, and so like all that black metal stuff, all of the like brittle, um, dry wood, um, creaking like buildings, old ancient stuff in the middle of nowhere that's completely forgotten. I love that idea. That kind of goes back to the like wishing there was still mystery in mm-hmm. the world like you go through the forest and you come across a clearing and there's like a church that everybody forgot about um so like that was in my head i was like 
just kind of want to set a church on fire. So, like the the flames that are in that are one of those is, is like a beach bonfire. One of those is an ad, or it was like shot so it could be used as an ad for like uh, like an outdoor beer commercial. Um, I can't remember what all the fires are from. But it's just all like collaged in there, and then uh, yeah. It was one of those things, like, I, I made it and was like, yeah, okay. That looks like how it was in my head. And then I started selling a lot of them, and I was like, that's that's sick. Because now I can, like, actually afford to make another print. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just keep doing that, I guess. And I've reprinted it a few times, and, yeah. I uh, I don't know. I like it. That's kind of all I ever aim for is I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's super sick. Um, so then flipping the agenda from religion to political. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Um, so did this come about with this election cycle or has this um, always kind of been in you? I'd say... I'd say it's been in me on, oh Jesus, on uh, a certain level for as long as I can remember. Um, it's never been specifically articulated. A lot of it again stems from the religious stuff and just like the amount of protocol and gatekeeping that goes into like, yeah, you're supposed to care care for people, but and then there's the but, then you have to read the fine print. And there's a bunch of rules that exclude a whole bunch of people. And I'm not, I'm not just in general that smart. But politically, I rely so much or have relied so much on friends who do read mountains, mountains of text, and then are kind enough to talk to me. And I'll pester them with questions and we'll have discussions and they'll let me fumble through a bunch of dumb questions or ways of articulating stuff and then like eventually I kind of understand something um so I think once Trump got elected um once Trump got elected I I I actually wrote the email and I sent it to my friend and he asked me why I did that and I was like because I want a date and a timestamp on this it was like eight months into him being elected. I was like, he's not going to want to leave office because he's going to get to the end. And because he's a malignant narcissist, he's going to say there's still a lot of work to do and I'm going to be the one to do it. So I'm going to stay in office. I'm going to make sure that happens. Not quite exactly how it's ended up happening here, but uh, the way that shit has gone just haywire, even compared to the bullshit that he's been doing it was it it, yeah i i don't think it's i don't think it's deep or nuanced i think it's just very like archetypal so it's just an ugly fucking face saying i don't take any responsibility and the strength of that comes from the number that gets attached to it which is almost two hundred thousand right now dead Mm -hmm. people and it's just so it's like i'm not i didn't really do the heavy lifting um, I just connected two dots that were there. Um, and like, I mean, that one even, I, I made that one just to like antagonize people 
on like Twitter and Reddit and a couple other spots. Um, but the Dwyer design was like, that was articulated anger. And I don't, man, how do you put it? I'm trying to think of how to put it without it being problematic. Or you could be problematic. <laughs> it is an explicit show. Yes. I, I could. I, I just, like, I, I, I'm nonviolent. I have such a hard time with violence. Um, but I have wished many times that he would kill himself. Because I just like, yeah, there's that. There it is. There's that. Um, so like, I, I was I was thinking like, like when I was trying to figure out what to design, and just express like my absolute distaste and disdain for him, but then also like uses words against him, which again like the I don't take responsibility at all. Just like I'm not gonna say anything. I'm not gonna put any words in his mouth. Um, I'm going to use the words that are already there and then connect the dots to another thing. So like the Dwyer ordeal, I think the first time I actually saw that video was when Neurosis used it. They had like um, this clip that would like continually loop back and sort of reset and it would tease the, the gun going in the mouth and the trigger being pulled. Um, and then eventually, like towards the end of the song, then you would have like the the black and white waterfall out of the nose and all that happening. And so, like that image had always been in my head, and I'd talked so many times with friends about what it would take for an artist to use an image like that and feel confident using it that it was necessary and worth making other people witness something like that because it's fucking horrifying. It's mm -hmm. extreme. And then also using a moment in history where somebody was so desperate that they felt that that was the only avenue that they could take. And it's really, really, really hard for me to wrap my mind around that. And like, I designed that and then sat on it for like six months. Um, I designed it in like 2017. Because like at the time, it was like, I just don't like this guy. So here's just like a snotty political like uh, antagonistic design, but it felt so over the line. It felt so uncalled for because at that time it was just, we had like run of the mill corruption and we had, I mean, we, we definitely had an extreme accelerated attack on uh, immigrants. We had an extreme attack on women's reproductive rights. We had an extreme, like there were extreme accelerations of, um, super repressive, regressive, um, dangerous politics and, and programs being, not even programs, just what did Obama do? Let's do the opposite and then like times 10. Mm -hmm. Like, so all of that stuff was like, okay, this just feels like a fucking petulant child going, well, I'm going to do the opposite and then I'm going to do it twice as bad just so like everybody that felt comfortable for a while really understands how much I hate him. Which like, okay, that's like, that's politics which like we have 100% earned as a country. Like I don't think Trump got here accidentally. Like the, the, the fucking fact that the democratic party just <laughs> sabotages progressive elements and like mm -hmm. speaks down to like fucking Jesus Christ. Anyway, um, <laughs> eventually, <laughs> eventually we, yeah, like it got to the point where I was like, objectively 
wanting the person to not exist any longer. And like, you can't obviously, this is, this is the potentially problematic thing. You can't wish that that particular person in that particular role, uh, that you can do something to them. Mm -hmm. Cause then you definitely talk to <laughs> secret service. <laughs> right. So it was just like, okay, well what, what if he did it? And then I was, I started thinking about it. I was like, okay, like if he ever were actually like forced not even forced, if he had a quiet moment where that, you know, 70 years of self-reinforced defense mechanism of you're correct, you're correct, you're entitled, you're entitled, all of these things just quieted down for a split second. And like that empty, fucking horrifying, monstrous interior, just that rotten, just crusted over shithole, area where his soul or conscience should be like spoke up just a little bit the dude would fucking collapse like i mm. fully think if he were to relax his grip on like where his his brain was for a moment he would shit his pants he would rip his clothes off he would try to cut somebody's head off and then he would like disembowel himself on stage like he just lose his shit and then die and so in that bizarre very specific fantasy uh I was like, okay, well, like, how do how do you design that? And then for whatever reason, I remembered Dwyer. And I was like, I can find a photo of that easy. And so I found the photo of it. And it's not hard to find a, a photo with him and his fucking mouth hanging open. So <laughs> I, I found the photo of Trump. Um, that, that image took in construction maybe three minutes. Like the image hunt, the image hunt for like a, a proper, um, like a decently sized image of Dwyer took maybe 10 minutes. Um, the photo of Trump, I got off some random stock photo site, quote unquote stock photo site, which I found out and like, I'm not legally liable. Getty can talk to the other fucking site. Um, but they got it from like a Getty site and Getty's super litigious. But again, I got it from the other site, but it took like 10 seconds to get that and fucking just lasso tool his face out, slap it on Dwyer's, and then mask uh, the hands into the view. And, like, I didn't have to resize his head. I, I didn't have to do anything. It just, like, like Legos snapping together. Mm -hmm. And, like, when I did it initially, too, like, I, I posted it, and I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I put Make America Great Again around it. And <laughs> correlate it with just use his words again. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, and then the the thing that I enjoy about it is it really gives evangelicals and conservatives the rope that they need to hang themselves with as far as sanctimony and like uh, pearl clutching goes. It's just all of a sudden civility matters, um, and all of a sudden it's this is such a uh, such a a cruel, inappropriate thing. And like, sure it is. Absolutely. That's, I'm open and uh, upfront about that. Let's, let's talk about where you're coming from though. And you know, the, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I put together the image and I looked at it. I was like, that's going to get a reaction basically. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, I, I'll push buttons. Yeah. How has that reaction been? <laughs> um, fucking fantastic. Uh, 
like when I made shirts out of it, I was like, I just this time period right now, I've got so many fucking friends, like we all do, I'm assuming, who are not making a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like all the GoFundMes for all the people who are like furloughed. Um, I've got a friend who's got a kid who had to go back to work, otherwise she would lose her job. And just by like a $40, $50 margin made too much to qualify for food stamps and was freaking out about being able to pay for fucking groceries. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that's, you know, a tiny little, tiny little microcosm of just our third world shithole country that you know Trump liked to project onto other countries like we can't take care of our own people and so it started making me feel like making art is so superfluous to this time right now and asking for money for like something like a poster is so utterly beside the point and then that design showed up on two minutes to late night um uh, Sasha Dunable wore it um like an early version of it and people started pestering the YouTube channel, like where that shirt come from. Mm-hmm. And then he had posted it on the Dunable Guitars uh, Instagram. And he's like, hey, just to let you know, I had like 30 people messaging me about this. And I was like, oh, maybe I should do something with that. So then the, the clear and immediate choice was, uh, let's do this as a, as a fundraiser. If there's this much, if there's this much demand and I can leverage people's absolute abject fucking hatred for this piece of shit, then I'm going to do that and I will happily take all of their money and then I will give it to other people who really need it. And like, I thought about this before we even recorded this and I was like, do I want to talk about it? Because it's really hard to talk about it without feeling self-aggrandizing. But it's also one of those things where it's like, it's the only time I've felt any mental relief and emotional relief in terms of feeling, I don't know, the last year and a half I've felt completely impotent in as, insofar as like being able to help or affect any level of change on any level um, and just like sitting there going like what the fuck do I have to offer the world I make spooky images like nobody needs a spooky image right now and it felt really crass and gauche to like try to do that so yeah just realizing oh man people hate this guy um, and I've got a design that really puts a point on hating that guy. Let's make it a fundraiser. And yeah, I think, what do we sell? I think we sold like 320 of them somewhere in there. And it like, uh, it was, uh, it was so intense. Uh, David Yao fucking reposted it and I was like, okay, that's cool. It's also terrifying. And then other people started reposting. I was like, this is too much. It was just too intense. Uh, I don't know why people ever want things to go viral. It's fucking terrifying. The scrutiny is fucking terrifying. If you're an anxious person like I am who's on medication and going to therapy for it, it's terrifying. So I was like, this is going to be a three-day thing, and I'm getting the fuck out. And so like, did those shirts. Was able to donate like, I want to say like two and a half grand. To like, because like shirts are expensive, mailing's expensive. I almost started doing the math for like the cost and the overhead. But yeah, there's receipts on the Instagram account. Don't at me about pocketing the money, because I'll I'll blow you up. Um, <laughs> and then like the the other half of it was like I just I had friends who were like literally posting 
Instagram stories like to their close friends saying like, I literally don't know how I'm going to pay rent. I'm like, well, okay, I know your fucking Venmo handle and I'm not going to tell you that you're going to get a little bit of money, but it's not my money. Mm-hmm. I don't want this. Like I work as a freelance designer, so my job's not affected. I work from home. Um, and it was like, it was fucking fantastic. That is like the most um, satisfying creative experience I've ever had in my life because I was able to correlate all of the things that I hate about politics and religion and everything else and I was able to do something that those things profess to but never actually follow through on and it's like that's fucking sweet and being able to do that like getting a message from somebody saying hey so and so said like um, oh yeah I'm getting ahead of myself so then I gave the, sh- the design out for free, mm-hmm. a high-res file, um, and the edict on edict, the rule, copyright rule on that was you can make whatever you want. If you want to make a million stickers in wallpaper of the city that you live in with it, that's cool. If you want to make a million stickers and sell them, that's cool too. Cover your costs and then donate the money. And so... I'm, I mean, I'm sure some people have like just made money off of it, but there's a dude, um, SBS Records out of Ohio, Jesse, who really fucking ran with it and ended up being able to donate a few thousand dollars and also saved my ass when I like mispacked a couple of orders and I was like, shit, I don't have that size anymore. This guy does. I'll put in the order and send it over to you. So like he actually saved my ass a few times but like having people get excited about that and then take it upon themselves to print hundreds of shirts and deliver them and then donate money to homeless uh, outreach and food bank programs and um, women and children shelters for like uh, domestic battery survivors like all of that stuff being like like for me the role there is just I had like a piece that made a bigger piece of machinery work. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. It, like I, I don't give a shit about the Trump design. I don't give a shit about the church burning design. But anytime, like you can take the 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 thing that you had the idea for, plop it in something else, and then everybody else kind of just takes over from there. It's fucking sweet. Like mm-hmm. I will love that. And I don't want to make my name off of the Trump thing or whatever the fucking name is anyway. Um, I hate that Instagram is like another version of me out there and like people refer to that as a real person and it's not like mm-hmm. like I I took a shower and almost ate shit in the tub today like that's that's who I actually am not some political artiste who made really edgy art or whatever I don't mm-hmm. know it's it's weird I still haven't reconciled it I never expected it it's weird even being here talking about it but somebody was able to afford groceries and that's like mind blowing. Right. Like that is, there's no cooler feeling than that. And also giving away something that has his fucking face on it and not only giving away, but making the rule be, you can sell this and then give that money away. It's absolutely antithetical. That's more antithetical to him and what he represents and what everybody who loves him represents than the gun being in his mouth mm-hmm. and the implied violence that's in the image. And like, that's my favorite thing in the world. And yeah, I feel lucky that I connected those dots 
Um, if somebody had come to me with the idea, I still would have done the design. But I just, I, I don't know. I was watching Neurosis play New York in 1996, and they had a Dwyer montage going on in the background, and it just stuck in my head forever. Mm-hmm. And then 10 years later, it became relevant. I'll use it. Yeah. It's so interesting that we as a people have to take care of our less fortunate instead of our government. The fact that you have a bunch of like becoming keenly aware of the fact that there's like just this little tiny like strata of people pushing kind of the same resources around like, all right, cool. You need this right now. That's cool. You get like 250 bucks and now you can like, buy groceries or you can go over here and then that person's got the 250 bucks or whatever the, the amount is and then they kind of push just shoving around the same tiny little fucking garbage amount of resources and then you look at some fuckhole like Jeff Bezos who like I don't what do you, I, I my brain doesn't comprehend having the ability to do something and not um He's building a clock that can tell time for 10,000 years. That's cool. I would probably do some stupid shit too if I had like a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But he's also just fucking sitting there. And it's like, not only is he sitting there, but Amazon is fucking hiring ex-intelligence analysts to parse out employee data so that they don't even need to like relate to and talk to people to see if that if they're considering unionizing they can just look at the overall fucking ebb and flow of sentiment and go, oh shit, they're talking about unionizing. And even though we're the most profitable company in the world, and even though this guy could give every single of the 800,000 employees a $105,000 bonus and still have the same amount of money that he did before the fucking pandemic started, mm-hmm. like we're going to we're gonna put in the effort to hire intelligence analysts that came from the CIA or the NSA to fucking dig through our people in an Excel spreadsheet to prevent them from being able to advocate for slightly more pay or like maybe being able to take a five minute bathroom break while they're in the warehouse instead of pissing in their pants and getting blood clots because they're standing for 12 hours. Like I just, I, I don't understand that on such a level. And uh, like, again, not terribly smart, very emotional. So when I gather enough context and enough intelligence, then I might be able to articulate like some sort of design. But like, right, I haven't gotten anything with Bezos yet. I just I know that I, I I'm confounded by him. Mm-hmm. And like guillotines are always there, but like it's <laughs> like it feels like it's an easy one. So I haven't done it. It's not interesting. But just like you can help and you don't. Uh-huh. It's unreal. I think an interesting parallel you could draw is in about, uh, I think it would have been 1905, Russia experienced their first revolution, right? Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of the factory workers that, um, they weren't allowed to unionize. Unions Mm -hmm. were illegal in Russia and probably still are. (laughs) Um, But either way, they they couldn't unionize, but they were so fed up with 
working 14 hour days, making no money. And honestly, they were still an autocracy too. So they didn't really have any rights. And enough people just were like, you know what? Enough. We all march in solidarity together. And they protested working for a, a day. And then the government actually stepped in. The police were scared and ended up killing a few people. This would, this would have been the first uh, Bloody Sunday, mm-hmm. not the famous Irish one. Um, but then, because people died, they marched even stronger the next day, mm-hmm. and th- Russia actually got a, a form of constitutional government out of that. And yeah. so through enough people speaking out and lashing out against their government and their bosses, they were able to get a government that worked a little bit more for them. Didn't really actually in the end, but also they shortened their workday from 14 hours to 11. So that's <laughs> a nice even number. Nice even number. Yeah. yeah. So running with this a little bit, do you, how do you look, do you, uh, do you look at international politics with the same scope of horror or the same, uh, through the same creative lens, looking at like Belarus, for example, or India or India, man, uh, not specifically. Even the politics that I look at here in the U S, um, are more how they relate to, uh, that's probably a great sound for the mic. Um, oh, uh, a while, all right. This maybe I'll be able to tie this in. Um, a while ago, I was on the blue line and I was heading to work, and I was keenly aware of the fact that the shoes that I wear are made with slave labor, and the jeans that I wear are made with slave labor, and um. It's just a tacit agreement that everybody has made that it's acceptable for a certain level of suffering to take place to have the thing that you have. It's if you wear Levi's, sorry, there's slave labor. If you wear Vans, which I do, there's slave labor. Um, it's really fucking hard to get out of that uh, that feedback loop of just your you know the 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 culture that we live in, the worldwide culture that we live in is so predicated on the acceptance of other people suffering um, that it, it's, it's not even a passing thought by and large. So I don't necessarily, I can't say that I'm like a terribly political person because I don't follow India's leadership, but I'm well aware of what um, what a patriarchal system like that, that specific system has done in terms of violence against women um, or um, like uh, the way that fast fashion translates into uh, 1,700 people dying in a building collapsing because they have a fucking sweatshop on every level and it's old shitty construction and the people that own the factory don't care and you have people as young as five making clothing um, for 14 cents in the day and they usually just sleep in the building. Like, I am aware that, like, Gap uh, and 
you know, fashion brands that have seasonal ad campaigns and celebrity spokespeople um, are like, yeah, like a certain amount of people dying is like, fine. It's fine. We don't care. Like it doesn't, as long as it doesn't, it's the cost benefit analysis thing. And the fact that it involves fucking people is infuriating and depressing. And it's really hard sometimes for me to like function because it's just feeling of constant paralysis of being surrounded by this, just by people who are like, yeah, that's, that's how the world works. And it's like, it doesn't have to work that way. Like we, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I usually like buy one pair of pants a year and then just, you know, try to take care of them and you, you don't need to fucking burn through them and just try to be a little more responsible, like how much I require of other people. And like, that's kind of how my politics translate out. So like Trump and Trump being a, like, fuck Democrats, Trump being a Republican quote unquote, uh, or a conservative or just being the conservative antichrist leader, uh, shit stain, like, he's bad because of what he does to people. But then, you know, fucking Democrats are going, yeah, we don't need a Green New Deal. Country's on fire. Plastic, turns out, we knew wasn't infinitely recyclable. And uh, we're going to sabotage all the people that are advocating for stuff that will lessen suffering and increase quality of life. Like, that's, I, I don't know. I just, I don't think I'm smart enough for, like, my friends who are like deep into socialist theory and are like, you know, gently guiding me through Angela <laughs> Davis's output and gently guiding me through like, Oh, that's cute. You read Zen. Like, all right, well, there's a bunch of other people that are like a few steps beyond him that you should check out. It's like, mm-hmm. motherfucker, I'm just trying to help my friend pay for like groceries. Like at this uh-huh. point, um, I, 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 rely on knowing people that are smarter than me i think by and large and so talking to those friends reading the stuff that they send my way being aware of it and being knowledgeable like not putting my head in my in the sand which i've wanted to do all year and there have definitely been days where i've just slept 16 18 hours for the day because it's like i can't function right now Mm -hmm. and i'm too fucking depressed um yeah it's like you, you fucking look at Brazil and you're like, just literal demonstrable incubator and producer of oxygen and air purification and who knows how many species of animal and just all of that stuff. And it's so easy to not do what we're doing with it. But we're gonna we're gonna do the thing because all that matters right now is we do the thing and we get the thing we want. Mm-hmm. It's like, and then on top of that, it's really easy to stop that. But everybody that's in the position to stop that, eh, I benefit from it. So fuck it. Right, and, and it's a shift in like culture too. You have to yeah, change people's yeah, yeah. habits. Yeah, and that, I mean which, that goes back to the the tacit approval of like, yeah, it's you know, I get the thing that I want, and I know somewhere way off in the distance in my subconscious that somebody suffered for this. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, yeah, I was going to mention Louis C.K., but fuck him. (laughs) He, he, He had the joke about, like, you get the iPhone and... Is it more important to you that somebody doesn't suffer or you're or you're able to make shitty comments on a YouTube video? 
while you're taking a shit. Like, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody is gonna go. I'll take the phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, not even think twice about it. I just that's that's also why all of the design stuff that I do is like huge things dwarfing smaller things because what we have is just us and we do such a shitty mediocre job with what we have and caring for each other and like empathizing it's such a huge ask apparently that like wanting a bigger thing either the bigger thing is the externalization of how shitty and mediocre we are as animals or it's I wish we had this thing so that all of us it's the fucking watchman universal enemy like oh shit there's that thing we're all united in this now and Mm -hmm. like just screaming at the need for something to reprioritize everybody's focus so it's not just me and me and oh shit this guy who barely stringed together a coherent sentence and clearly snorts Adderall before he does every press conference and is just a serial sexual assaulter is enabling all the stuff that I want. So me still happens. So yeah, let him do his thing. Like we could change that. Oh God. that We could change that. We could, we're not gonna, we're going to try. I mean, (laughs) but yeah. yeah, the point is, you know, leaving room to try and, you know, I don't think we've, can stress enough voting. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we're going to, I don't think we, I don't think the bell's going to be unrung. I think whatever the fuck happens in November, people who were never legitimized before and have had some taste of recognition, if not power or access or money or whatever, are not going to want to go hungry again, so mm-hmm. to speak. And it's just like... I don't know, man. I'm not optimistic, like at all, mm-hmm. at all, at all. I've learned how to fucking garden now. I'm like <laughs> excited to like maybe become a farmer, because like I'm not gonna be shocked if there's food shortages in 20 years at this point. Mm-hmm. Fucking domestic terrorist attack stuff is gonna keep going up. Like, I think we're approaching the thing you referenced of getting to such a desperate point that you will have a violent upheaval and it's going to be horrific and unnecessary, but it's going to happen. And then some sort of new normal is going to take place Mm -hmm. and maybe we'll evolve a little bit past where we are now. Maybe we'll regress. I don't know. It's tough to say if you do look at history, we are living through it without a doubt. Mm -hmm. And, and And it's, I it's do continually do, gone up. Right. I do think the 2020 election is the peak of whatever's going to happen. Because that, well, that's your breaking point, right? Yeah. That, that, that we can only scale so far up before, no matter what happens, we're so divisive on both sides. I mean, I could see us getting so fractured that people are like, fuck it, they can't govern themselves anymore. And like... I mean, God, if, if Mexico decides to go like, hey, you know what? The the lower Southwest, we're going to take that back. You guys cannot handle this anymore. That's okay. We took it from you to begin with. And like, if we're so d- divided, so much like just 
every state just shitting on every other state and weird civil war type scenario like why would you not cherry pick a country full of resources and like pit everybody against it? i i don't know it's it's not even like i don't think that's going to happen i think it's going to continue to be an evil mediocre or a mediocre evil like <laughs> it's it's not like super organized and efficient but it's going to be not great but i don't know i feel like this is veering off into really dumb joe rogan territory <laughs> No, I I do think where where this is going, just based on where societies have been before, you're you're at a cusp, and so something yeah. is going to happen. And obviously, we don't have the palantir to see into the future, so nope. we don't know. But you know, I'm not optimistic. I don't think it's going to be the road. I don't think it's going to be Cormac McCarthy territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, like, are you familiar with the the Holo Domor? The the engineered um, starvation of I think it was eight or nine million people in uh, Ukraine. God, I I'm sorry for not knowing that. I should know that because I know everything else about it. Uh, yeah, it was the government like engineered a famine starved uh, close to 10 million people. Like parents were eating their children out of desperation because their children would pass away from starvation and they would have no fucking food. Like that is real and historical and happened. And to be cocky enough to think that we don't have that potential Mm -hmm. as animals to do that to each other again is like, I don't know. We already have like ice doctors performing forced hysterectomies, right? And like that's eugenics. That's the beginning of a genocidal right. uh, effort against a specific group of people. Like, well, nationalism is a hell of a force to dude, deal with. Dude. <laughs> so yeah, like whatever it does happen, the cusp that we're at, it's like, I just I can't be positive or optimistic about it because we like. It's not even a question of like finding new depths it's just an inability to sustain any sort of like substantial rise that makes me feel like oh shit okay cool like we're heading cool direction like i think we i think there's yeah there's a lot of good it's not all bad there's Mm -hmm. a lot of good but i just don't know what's going to happen like at the end of this year yeah and i'm stressed the fuck out (laughs) I think that goes for all of us. Yeah. Well, I think uh, it's important for us to do the things that we can do to help um, insofar as talking about raising money through your talents and art is an important thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Encouraging people to use their, you know, for many, it's the only means that we have to have a say and that's vote. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. a valuable thing too. Right. Yeah. And I think a big thing that, that I've learned this year, A, is just shutting the fuck up is great, which is completely the opposite of what's happening here in the podcast. But like listening to uh, other people um, and being willing to accept that you're part of the problem, uh, even if it's unwittingly, like just having the humility of, oh shit, I didn't even realize that. That's unreal. Like, okay, now I know this thing. 
it's great that I know this thing because now I'm one less thing that's inflicting or one less person that's inflicting themselves on the world and said, you know, I'm existing as like a conscious participant instead of just subconsciously floating through and making everybody else pick my shit up after you know, I'm gone. Yeah, it's... Like, the Black Lives Matter movement has been so fucking profoundly affecting in terms of, like, realizing not just, like, aspects of privilege and who does and does not believe in it and not reconciling the United States' history and, like, just everybody this year learning about um, the Tulsa Mm -hmm. city bombing through fucking Watchmen which is cool. Like, that's great. That's probably the best way for people who would not otherwise want to learn about it to learn about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, just like, okay, like we're learning who we really are in so many different aspects. Just learn to have the humility to go, shit, I didn't know I was a part of it. And now I'm going to do my best not to just remove myself from that, but to actively work against it. Um, that's cool, but it's you know it's it's so terrifying for so many people because they're like, this is what I know, and mm-hmm. this is my identity is so specific to this thing that I'm being attacked now, and I'm going to attack you back, and that's why again like a little stressful. Mm-hmm. Growth is always painful. Really starting to see that. Yeah, definitely. Well. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. This has been a pleasure. Yeah. This has been, been uplifting. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, we yeah. knew where it was going all yeah. along. Let's be real. Um, that being said, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, it's dude, been an honor. And for everyone listening, with what little we do got, at least go out and vote. Absolutely. That's all you can do. Yeah, go out and vote and like just pay attention to people around you. Like, I, I the a lot of the ways that I've learned like who needs help and who doesn't is not even approaching people as like, Oh, maybe they need something. It's actually listening and actually like being aware of others besides yourself. Um, even if it's like being patient with people in public who are obnoxious, like there might be a reason that there's a fucking David Foster Wallace. Uh, is it like water speech that he gave where it's like, don't just jump to the conclusion that you jump to with somebody. There's, absolutely something behind it that you don't know Mm -hmm. and like be patient and listen unless the person's actively hurting somebody else then fuck them up but yeah sick excellent words yeah (laughs) i love it (laughs) thank you so much we'll see you all next week yeah thank Thank you you. thanks